Welcome back to our study of the book of 1 John, which is one of the most wonderful books in the Bible. It's so simple, so direct, so down to earth. It really tells us five different things that help us to know we are believers in Christ. I want to pick up reading with verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. That means the things of the evil one, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, that's been a great promise to me across the years. As I've faced obstacles as a, in my personal life, as I've faced uh, difficulties as a preacher of the gospel, as I've fra- faced things that, that the devil threw in my path to keep us from winning people to Christ, I have to come back again and again to this promise, and that is that we have overcome these things and these people because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, the one who's in the world is the devil. And this is how we're greater than he is. We in ourselves are not greater than the devil, but because we have Christ living in us, the one who's in us is greater than him who is in the world. If you have Jesus living in your life, you see you have the victor, and you're not a victim. You're a victor, and you have victory. We are more than conquerors, Paul said in Romans 8 because of him that loves us. And as conquerors, we can stand on top of what's out there. We can stand on top of the opposition. We don't have to be under the circumstances, under the difficulties, under the problems. We can be over them. We can be overcomers. And that's what he says. He goes on to say, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. And, and he goes down in verse 5, he says, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. These people that are in the world that are claiming to be followers of Christ are some of these cult groups. They they say they're from God, they say they listen to God, but, but they don't believe the truth like we believe it from the word. I'm not saying that we're perfect in our belief. That's not the point here. The point here is if we are believing what God says in his word and if we're following him and, and living out in practical ways that in our daily lives, then that simply means that we are the true followers of Christ. Now he moves back to a subject that he talks about a lot in this book. And that's the subject of love. Love is, is overused and misused a lot in the English language. In fact, we only have one word for love, and that's, that's one of the bad things about it. We say we love ice cream, and we say we love babies, or we love ball, a ball team, or we love scenery, or we love something else. And, and a film full of lust and vulgarity and sensuality is called a love story. Yet the Bible says that God is love. And let me begin reading about that. Verse 7, Dear friends, let us, have, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, 
that there's a that's a pretty good description of God's kind of love, and it's a kind of love that uh, the Greek word agape describes. It's a love that's totally unselfish. It's a love that's totally accepting. It's a love that's totally unconditional. If you want to really read more about it, look at 1 Corinthians 13, and there you'll see the word love uh, a lot, and it'll describe love, it reveal love, it'll share about love. And I think it's important that we understand that God's kind of love for us and our kind of love for others is more than an emotion. It could have emotion in it, doesn't have to. It certainly has sentiment in it. It certainly has concern in it. It certainly sometimes has a burden in it. But it's a kind of love that is not just some emotional moment. You know, you can watch a movie and cry, but after you leave, you forget all about it. And it doesn't produce love. And you and I can have an emotional feeling about someone or something, and that's all there is to it, and it's forgotten. But real love is more than just an emotion. It has deeper feelings than that. It has deeper attitudes than that. And so it's important for us to know that, and it's important for us to to be able to recognize it and to, to understand it so we can live out practically that kind of love in our lives. And what John is really doing here, he is appealing to us to love. And he said, let us love one another, for love is from God. Three times in these verses, in verse 7, verse 11, and verse 12, John tells us to love one another. He's already said that before several times. This love for one another challenges us to love without selfishness and to love unconditionally and and we can only do that through the power of God's Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. First thing the Spirit does is if we allow him to have his way is to produce through us love, a love that, that looks beyond, a love that's in spite of, a love that keeps on keeping on no matter what. And so that's the kind of love he wants us to have one for another. And he appeals to us that, that he says this love is from God. You see, and he says everyone who's born of God and knows God is going to love like this. So his argument is clear. It's no good claiming you know God if you don't love like God. And if we do love like God, that's evidence again that we know him. There's that word know again. John is saying that agape love has its origin, its source in God. And therefore, it's, a, it's like God in us flowing out through us. Now, not to have known love is not to have known God. If we, if we know God, we know love. If we don't know God, we don't really know the depths of love. J- Jerome, one of the early church fathers, cites the tradition that when the apostle John became so infirm that he could not preach, they would carry him into the church, and he would simply say, little children love one another. And, and if they asked him why, he would say, because it is the Lord's command and if only this be done, it is enough. If we love, everything else will pretty much follow along behind. Twice in these verses, John says God is love. This is one of the most comprehensive and sublime descriptions of God in all of the Bible. It means that the root of all love is God. It means no matter how difficult it may appear to us, the fountain from which all of God's love stem is his self-giving love. C.H. Dot rightly points out that God is love is more than an assertion that God loves. 
It's more, it stands alongside such statements as God creates, God rules, God judges, God affirms. To assert that God is love is one of God's activities, but this is more than that. And it's to assert that love is the essence of God. Love is the very being of God. That God does all these other things. He creates, he rules, he judges out of love. Love is what he is. And because he loves, he creates. Because he loves, he judges. Because he loves, he disciplines. And on and on and on and on we go. So it's important to understand that we're going to talk more about love next week when we get into some more of 1 John. So be with me. God bless you. I hope you have a great weekend.